What's good, people? It's your boy Caesar here, and this is an episode of the Hybrid Club. Hope all is good. You know where to find us on socials at the Hybrid Club, and you know where to find me at C Says C E A S E S A Y S. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not remember the last time I cared about an Arsenal loss so little. Um, I do think the fact that the Brighton game wasn't broadcasted anywhere has probably helped people care about it even less and move on from it. Um, out of sight, out of mind, basically. I, I don't know. Obviously, you know, you can't speak for everyone, but I'm very much in the camp of the fixture congestion we would have got wouldn't have helped us for a trophy that, you know, in the past, managers of one got relegated and been sacked. It's just not a trophy that is going to get you any credit. I think what it has done in the past for managers like Klopp, like Mourinho, like Pep, is when you're trying to build something at a club, when you're trying to instill a winning culture, it's the first domestic trophy you can win in the year for any of the top sides. And so if you're able to win it, you get that winning feeling and you kind of can try to capitalise on it a bit. But realistically, no one is losing sleep over the League Cup. I'm on record as saying I really want us to win it because it's been a long time since we've won it. But I genuinely did not care about it this year. So who cares? I mean, if a a Welbeck scores a penalty in, in the Emirates, but there's no streams around to watch it, did it even happen? I posit that it did not. So I'm going to act like it did not. Um, so coming off the back of a fantastic win at Chelsea and having played absolutely no other football whatsoever between then and now against any team anywhere, whether real or imagined, we now focus on Wolves. So we're going to look to make sure that we finish top of the league entering the World Cup um, where we meet Wolves who are not in a great place. This Wolves is not the Wolves we've met previously. Um, they've got a caretake manager, Steve Davis. Um who will be in charge for this game. It'll be his last game in charge before uh, Julian Lopetegui takes over after the World Cup. Um, Now look, while again, we played absolutely no midweek fixtures and certainly didn't lose 3-1 to a team from the south coast of England, Wolves managed after 85 goalless minutes to get a win against Leeds um, when their midfielder, Bubkar Traore, managed to come up with one hell of a strike from outside the box to send Wolves through. Um, and it's one of those things that's quite telling for Wolves because one of their bigger, bigger, bigger issues for this season is their inability to score goals. So they've been getting them from set pieces. And again, I say getting them. There's not that many of them that they've got. Um, penalties or, you know, players like Troy Ori or Nevers pulling worldies out of the bag. They've not really had too many um, well-constructed goals built on established principles of play. That's not what they've 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 had um, experience with, and to be honest, they've had a rough go of it pretty much since they got rid of um, Nuno. To be honest, they've had moments, but for the most part, they have been in the wilderness a little bit. Um, in the league, their most recent game came against Brighton, which was a painful three-two loss to them. I think they conceded the goal uh, that lost them the game around the eighty-fourth minute or somewhere like that. Now we certainly do not know what it's like to ship three goals to Brighton in the month of November in a domestic competition in England. We certainly have never done that, can never be us, so don't know for them. Um, So the midweek win for Wolves would have been a relief for them, but um, needless to say, their league form has been tragic. Now they're going to try and lift themselves up out of the relegation zone by beating us. Um, It's worth noting that both their top flight wins this season have come at home for them, um, but they haven't won a game in four straight league games. So they are in a really bad, bad way. Um, 
they've conceded at least three goals um, in their last four Premier League home matches, which isn't great either. So not only are they conceding, not only are they not scoring, they're conceding a lot of goal. Now, all jokes aside about midweek, um, the fact that we're able to go into the World Cup top of the table and potentially come out the other side, not having to play a League Cup game days after the World Cup ends, I think is a blessing in disguise. There's talks of a potential friendly um, taking place, potentially at the Emirates and Emirates Cup style game with maybe a team from La Liga. Whether or not that would be better preparation or a League Cup game would be better preparation, I personally would actually prefer the game at the Emirates because it would be a team of our choosing. Um, it would be at home at the Emirates and it would be um, on the 17th rather than I think the 19th, which is when the next League Cup, set of League Cup games would be, I think, um, giving us an extra couple of days before we then um, have to go up against West Ham. So for me personally, I think, again, not having to play those League Cup games is only going to benefit us, even if it means we don't get that opportunity to win, you know, another piece of silverware for, for Mikel Arteta. But it is what it is. We've got bigger fish to fry. Um, and certainly that bigger fish starts with frying up ourselves. Help no. See, I was going to make a joke about frying up a slab of wolf, but like, that's just, that's just weird. We're not doing that. Um, anyway, we've now won six and drawn one from our last seven Premier League games. Um, and while we've dropped a total of five points this season, realistically, considering we've played 13 games, that is a pretty healthy stat. As you all know, Mikel Arteta now has the best start in the league of any Arsenal manager in history, which is incredibly telling um, about how well his side has been doing, particularly given that this league, as it currently stands, is probably the most competitive um, the league has ever been. Um, you want to argue with that, argue with someone else, not me. I've got no time for it. I do think it is ridiculously competitive. The, the talent levels, the standard is so high you know for all the talk earlier in the season of Arsenal only top because they haven't played anyone big well beating Spurs beating Chelsea beating Liverpool um so we've beaten two big teams there already so there you are I think the fact is for us to be top of the table at this point in the season that's not a fluke it's not a mirage it means that what we're doing is very very real doesn't mean we're going to go on to win the league doesn't mean anything of the sort but what it does mean is that we are a very 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 good team um, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit later just with um, one of the discussion points coming up. But I do think I just want to take a moment to say we are going potentially going into the uh, Christmas period top of the table, potentially. We know that Man City, of course, are going to play um, as well. And we do know that they have a habit of uh, winning their games and forcing us to then have to respond um, with a win to stay top. Now, Man City, for example, are playing Brentford tomorrow at lunchtime. They are at home. And so we do expect Man City to annihilate Brentford. I think that is going to happen. That's going to be a given. Um, but it is still an opportunity for some of our um, potential top six, uh, potential top six, top four rivals to uh, drop some points, you know. Newcastle are playing Chelsea. Newcastle are doing very, very well. Chelsea, not so much. But Chelsea still have players that can do damage. Even if that game ends in a draw, that's great for us. But either way, one of those teams is dropping points. Fulham are playing Manchester United at home. And Fulham this season are not the Fulham of old. They are very, very good. An opportunity there, potentially, to take some points against the Manchester United side who are not 
doing well at all. Liverpool are playing Southampton. Southampton have just changed managers. Potential new manager bounce? Certainly don't know. Liverpool haven't been great. We've seen the teams they've dropped points against. Dropped points against Leeds, dropped points against Nottingham Forest. So who knows? Maybe Southampton can get a little new manager bounce and drop points there. Um, it's it's certainly going to be interesting to to see. It, it I really do think that whatever happens by the end of this match week, we could be in a far better position to shore up our place um, at the top of the table. And I'm certainly looking forward to it. To that point, let's let's really get into it. Let's get into the meat of it. Everyone is talking about the possibility of going into um, the World Cup, top of the league. Now, for me, this is a this is about more than being top of the league. Once we enter the World Cup, it's about being top by Christmas, um, because of course the first set of games back will be around Boxing Day. Now, one of the reasons I make that point is because that's quite a significant period. It's a little bit different this year because you don't have the rest of the November games, rest of the December games, so it's not as significant. We've played one third of the Premier League games this season. So the whole top going into the World Cup, top by Christmas thing is more arbitrary. You know, it's just a, a random marker of the season. But because the World Cup is coming in, it's a natural stopping point. So the whole top going into the World Cup, top by Christmas, is more of a mental marker, as it were, for us fans. And it gives us a bit of a respite. We can stop, take a breath. No one is going to take top of the table away from us. We can go, for those who are watching the World Cup, for those who aren't, do whatever you're doing. For those watching the World Cup, you watch the World Cup and sort of just enjoy it without the worry of the next game and, oh no, Man City and Holland or, you know, is there going to be some kind of injury and implosion? Um, so I do think it's important for us and it's important, I think, for confidence for the team as well because, as I said, we're one third of the way through the year. Um, last season, we lost 13 times we'd already played 13 games. We have, if my maths are correct, 25 Premier League games left. Now, it's possible that we lose 13 of 25 Premier League games, but that would be an incredibly high ratio of games to lose. Um, you know, 13 over 38, we've done that, but 13 over 25 would be a pretty remarkable drop in form. Um, so safe to say we are very much on course to do much better than we did last season. So, you know, if you're telling me that out of 25 games less left, we can win even 20 of them. And to be honest, looking at the sides we've got less to play and looking at how we're, how well we're playing, if we manage to get the reinforcements in, in January that we could potentially get, you know, get players like um, Emile Smith-Rowe back um, from injury, and we're able to keep some of our players fit for you know significant part of the season, then you're looking at a situation where we could genuinely, and I mean genuinely, not just push City for the title, because again, for me, I, I want to I want to see us compete. It would be great to win it, but I just want to see us compete for it. Because if we're competing for it, it means we're more than fulfilling our basement targets. And then we can push on, add serious top world-class quality to this squad and continue to compete for as long as possible. Because I want to remind people, all of this ends. There is no arriving point. There is no finish point. There is no point where this team gets to a place and we're like, ah, complete, it's done. Because players get older, players get injured, players get offers and they want to leave. Their contracts run down and they want to experience someone, something new. The team is in constant evolution. It never ends. The journey never ends. 
Um, so for that reason, you really need to enjoy this moment. You, you, all you have to do is stop, close your eyes, and take your mind back to Unai Emery football in the late stage. Even to cast your mind back a couple years ago to sort of early Arteta football. It's not always like this. It's not always fun. This is not always guaranteed. If you see us balling out of control, but Jesus is getting three assists in a game rather than a hat-trick, and you find yourself complaining, ask yourself some questions. Like, look at how far we've come and look how far we could still go. So not only is this natural stopping point an opportunity to take a breath and see us go top of the league and see the players get confidence for their ability to maintain their dominance for this first third of the season, it's a moment for us to take a beat, take a moment, have a look and say, look how far we've come. Because there's always the next game, so you very rarely get an opportunity to take stock. So I do think that's really important. And, you know, we haven't played Man City yet. There's going to be some challenging games. But realistically, you know, we've played United, we've played Liverpool, we've played Spurs, we've played Chelsea. So other than the United game, which on another day, we win that eight times out of ten. We know we know what happened there. We don't need to rehash it. Looking at looking at that, we've played, you know, um, all of the top six, the so-called top six. Um, and to be honest, everyone else we've played is a pretty decent cross-section of the talent across the league from the teams towards the bottom towards the teams pushing for Europe. We played a decent cross-section of them and we've picked up points pretty much across the board. So that tells you that the standard of football that we're playing, the principles of play, how we go about it are enough for us to pick up points across the board. It's not, we're not a team that beats the the best and struggles against the worst. We're not a team that beats up on the rest, but drops points against the top. We're a team that can beat the top teams and we can beat up the teams in the middle and we can beat up the teams at the bottom of the, of the table. And that I think shows the progress we've made. So I don't think it's a case of we go into this break um, top if we do manage to beat Wolves and, and City do what City do. It's not a case that we go into that break, we're top and job done. But I think it is a case where we can take a moment to just appreciate um, what we've seen because what we've seen is something special by any measure. And whatever goes on to happen, I don't think it should be lost, the, the quality of the football that we've seen. Um, now, I think like a lot of people, there are certain things that I'm going to be looking forward to seeing in this game because we're going up against a Wolves team that struggles to score goals and concedes a lot of goals. I mean, unless I'm mistaken, and I could be wrong here, I'm pretty certain Wolves' goal difference is like minus 14. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, only, what, there's maybe two teams in the league? Yeah, Bournemouth and Forest are the only teams with a worse goal difference than, than Wolves. Um, they've not been great. You know, they've really struggled without a proper centre forward. Obviously, they lost Raul Jimenez. Um, they lost Diego Costa, who unfortunately isn't going to get his chance to try and, you know, try his bully boy tactics on this new iteration of Arsenal, though I'm sure he would have absolutely loved it. He's serving the final game of his uh, three-match ban uh, for a recent suspension that he got. So realistically, um, we really are going up, up against the Wolves team that creates chances but can't score them and sort of doesn't really stop them on the other end. I mean, if you look at the goals last week that he conceded against Brighton, I mean, the first one for Lalana was a great goal, some good interplay between Brighton, but you just see Nelson Semedo just completely switch off. He's just looking in the complete wrong direction. 
when the ball's played into Lalana, he's able to be goal side because Semedo is nowhere near him. That's that's the area he should be covering. It's the type of thing that Wolves do often. They just kind of switch off. They get into their defensive shape and just switch off. And teams just play through them, knife through bar. It's it's tragic. It's 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 tragic to see how far they've fallen. It's not really. I find it hilarious. Given the whole celebration police thing over the last couple of years of the likes of Neves and other players coming out with nonsense comments. So I do hope that we go there. I do hope that we win. I do hope that we celebrate on the pitch. We dance a jig. We crack out the cardboard, do some 80s style break dancing, you know, get a little moonwalk going, see if we can't get a little crip walk going. Quite frankly, I'm hoping that we break out a little tete-a-tete, go into a full-blown black swan ballerina on their, in their center circle. Just get the win, celebrate, enjoy it, move on to the World Cup because this is not a good wolf side. And that brings me on to my next point. We are a team whose positional play, whose principles of play see us really dominate the um, five attacking channels and really dominate the defensive attacking uh, defensive channels, the five defensive channels. So before that reason, we seem perfectly well equipped to deal with the Wolves side um, as it currently is. And the reason I say that is because, as I've touched on briefly, and I'm going to go on a little bit more when we look at some of the stats, this is a Wolves side without an attack that's really properly capable of finishing off moves um, that you would typically expect Premier League teams to finish off. Um, what I mean is they'll get opportunities where they'll use the width of the pitch and they do try to use the full width of the pitch. Players like Adam Traore, Gonzalo Guides, um, they'll really try and occupy those spaces, stretch the play. They've got brilliant passes in midfield and, and workhorses in midfield who are capable of progressing the ball through the thirds quite nicely. They'll play the ball up, you know, go into transition, they'll get into a good area and they'll fluff the shot or blaze it wide or blaze it high. They very rarely, as I said, finished off a good team mood based on, you know, certain principles of play. And in part, it's because of the injuries and the change in management and all the rest of it. Um, so if you, if you are a team that dominates attacking channels and you're going up a defence that often is a little bit disorganised or loses shape or switches off, that is perfect for Arsenal. You can imagine that you've got us transitioning in the way we usually do. You know, the ball goes against the defensive line. It goes into Shaka. Shaka, Shaka plays up to Martinelli. And suddenly you've got Wolves in sort of, I don't know, they're covering the five channels with their players. Suddenly Martinelli plays the ball into Jesus. Semedo goes with him, for example, and, and leaves that area completely open. Suddenly Shaka's making the run, the underlapping run, and the ball's flicked over to him. I mean, it's it's you can see it happening. It's perfect. Um, go back and watch some of Wolves games recently and you'll see the kind of goals they concede and you can literally just picture Shaka running into that space that they've left open. You can see, I know, Saka running past that fullback who's fallen over and tripped over himself. You can see Odegaard and Jesus connecting in, in small spaces because the Wolves players just can't, can't keep up with them. Genuinely, this is a team we should be able to dominate. Um, and defensively, like I said, they do have some great players who can pro uh, pass the ball and progress the ball. Chalmatinho, Ruben Neves, um, you know, transition, uh, Chan, uh, Podence, Gonzalo Guidas, you know, they're players who've, uh, Adama Traore, pace, good running, good dribblers. Um, for, for all, you know, for all of them in their own right, good, good finishers to some degree, but they're just... You could, they're not reliable. I mean, Adama Traore, if he just added an end product, he would be a complete package, but he's just, his end product has never been amazing. Fam famous fast word, uh, last words. But 
even with the transition aspect of it, you know, we've got our five channels covered. You know, we've got our two centre-backs who are some of the best 1v1 defenders in the league, if not in Europe. Um, you know, Ben White does amazing to stop um, transitions in in sort of on his side of the pitch. I mean, even players like Erdegaard are brilliant at breaking up chances before they come. You know, he'll give a player a little trip or a little nudge as they're breaking out of our attacking half to try and break into our defensive half. And he'll shut down the the chance there. I remember so many times under Emery and even under Wenger before that, where teams would get the ball and they'd break on us and our players would just let them run. You know, we'll just absolutely let them run towards our goal. Now we're starting to see more and more of our players sort of trying to, you know, trip them up, push them over, break up foul, uh, break up play by committing fouls higher up the pitch. Number one, less likely to get a booking. Number two, you stopped them building up momentum. So I think from the way we defend from the front, as well as how we defend our defensive half, as well as how we attack the the five attacking channels, I do think we are very, 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 very well placed to deal with the Wolves team with these specific problems. Um, so it's something I'm really looking forward to seeing us seeing us deliver, really. And it is on us. You know, this is a game that Wolves will be nervous about. They know they're not good. They know they're bad. They know they've had a rough go of it. They are not going to be looking forward to seeing us play the way we've played in recent weeks and stroll up to their ground. Um, ordinarily, teams going through a rough patch, um, you know, often their home form is the thing that's saving them. That is not the case for Wolves. Their home form is not great. And, you know, We've had luck there in recent seasons. We have we have won. We won there last season, for example. Um, a very enjoyable win, I, I might add. Um, so I, I'm really expecting the win, and I'm not being overly confident. I'm not saying that just because, you know, we're currently top. I really do think that Wolves' specific problems play right into our hands. It's just that we have to, we have to do it on the day. You know, we can't have a slow start. We can't have, you know... We can't be snatching at chances. We can't sort of be fluffing our lines. Or We've just got to make sure that we're cool, composed, play our football, keep doing what we're doing. And if we do what we've been doing, the win will come. And that's another point. You know, Wolves, when I say they don't score a lot of goals, I'm not even just talking across the board in terms of across the season. Game by game, they struggle to score more than one goal a game. They really do. You know, last I think last week was the first time they scored... I think it was the first time they scored two goals in a game all season. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty certain it was. Um, so this is one of those games where if we score more than one goal, we win this game. I'm I'm entirely convinced of that fact. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Anyway, that's it for part one. Come back for part two. I'm going to go into some of the stats, um, talk a bit about style of play, um, and then look at potential lineups. So this is the end of part one. Be back in a bit for part two in a bit, people. <music> what's good people is part two of the hybrid club hope all is well um so just yeah gonna touch a little bit on the stats we've spoken a little bit about um you know just what some of the narratives and discussion points are talking points spoke a bit about going top you know being top of christmas and all of that um gonna touch on some of the stats here um so for us in the league we've played 13 won 11 drawn one lost one goals scored 31 Goals against 11. Now, I want you to keep goals scored 31 goals in mind when I go through Wolves' stats. They've played 14, so one more than us because our game against Man City was called off. Um, so they played 14, 1 2 compared to our 11, 1 2, drawn 4, lost 8, goals scored 8. 
We've scored 31 in 13. They've scored eight in 14. And they've got goals against 22nd. And that is why they are 19th in the table while we sit first. Um, so lose, Wolves lost home and away against us um, in the Premier League last season. Um, and they previously had a not, not that bad a record against us. They'd only lost two of their previous eight against us before that, um, which tells you the difference between Arteta from last season to now all the way through, you know, Arteta and Arsenal beforehand. So again, that that improvement in, in a microcosm in this one instance, in this in this one fixture tells you a lot. Um, yeah, we've won six of our last eight Premier League games against Wolves, having lost only two. Um, and we scored at least once in all of our 16 competition uh, meetings, against, meetings against them in this competition. So we know that more often than not, we, we get a goal. Now, I'm not for one for being too um, hung up on historical stats because, you know, Wolves have a caretaker manager. They're going to have a new manager in the new year. They've had at least a couple of managers in the last few seasons. Um, you know, this is a different Arsenal to the Arsenal of a year ago and different to the Arsenal of the year before that. So the degree to which some of those historical stats matter, I'm not so sure, but they 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 are telling in some ways at least. Um, now, I think one of the other things the to mention is suspensions. Wolves obviously had Diego Costa sent off recently. They had Nelson Semedo sent off recently. Us ourselves, we've had three players sent off across our last two Premier League away games against Wolves. Um, you remember Martinelli got that double yellow at the same time. Um, so somehow got cautioned and then sent off at the same time, which is just a bizarre thing. You know, here's your warning and here's the red card because, you know, you didn't heed the warning. You literally just got like, what? Anyway, um, and then, of course, you remember um, David Luiz getting sent off um, because he didn't attempt to play the ball when running behind a player whose heel clipped his knee. Um yeah, make it make sense. So we've had some very bizarre uh, red cards recently um, against Wolves. So I'm not saying it's something to look out for. I'm just saying it's a thing that's happened. And Wolves themselves have had a pretty rocky recent disciplinary um, record, as I said, with Semedo and, and Costa. So again, something to certainly look out for. And we do know that against us, teams who can't see us on the football pitch in terms of footballing ability try to turn it into a game of rugby or Greco-Roma wrestling. Like when they can't beat us, they try to fight us. And then they realize that this isn't the Arsenal of 2008. This team can fight and we're happy to give it. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not Wolves apply a different set of tactics if they can't match us in terms of footballing quality. And if so, what the refs do. Because so far, they seem to be reluctant to really offer protection to players like Bukayo Saka or Gabriel Jesus. It seems more that, again, the whole Arsenal don't like it up them, and so therefore give them as much of a kick as you like seems to be the current trend. We'll see how it goes. Um, so again, you'll you'll see from all of that that we've spoken about before from their record in the league that this is a team that's eminently get-outable. Um, that's why I think for me in particular, Gabriel Jesus um, and Martin Odegaard are going to be so crucial to this win. We know that with Odegaard, all of our play goes through him. All of our effective football goes through him um, in one form or another. He sets the tempo. He's, he's um, a trigger for the press. He's so organized. He makes sure everyone else knows what they're doing. Um, I think in terms of keeping the ball going, um, creative passing, maintaining technical security and, and possession, I think he's so crucial 
um, and you see how different our football is when he's not playing um, because of Wolves. I don't want to say disorganization because it's not so much that they're disorganized at defensive, it's that they get organized and switch off really is more the issue with Wolves. Um, but because of that, his ability to drift in between the lines, pick up the ball, see that a play switched off, watch for a run from a Martinelli or a Jesus and float a ball into the penalty area or clip a ball in behind or play a ball around the corner is going to be vital to breaking them down because I don't think I could be, I could be wrong. I didn't expect Southampton to come at us the way that they, they did. I could be wrong. Wolves could decide they want to play a game of football, but I don't think they're going to want to do that. I don't think they're going to go full blown low block, but they might. Um, but I don't think they're going to fully come at us. So I think that create that creativity is going to be crucial um, to getting the goal. And I do think an early goal is going to be important here because like I said, they don't score much and they know they don't score much. If we can get an early goal, that will kill their spirit because they will know shit. Unless we drastically improve our performances, the most we can hope for here is a draw at home in front of their fans. The last game before the World Cup, they're going to want to put on a show um, before they head out. Otherwise, the fans' last lingering memory of them is them getting pumped game after game after game. So they're going to want to do well um, before they head off uh, to the World Cup, some of them. Um, so yeah, so I think Erdegaard, his ability to to pass between the lines, to float between the lines, to connect the play, his range of passing, um, his accuracy, as well as his work rate, you know, the kilometers he covers, I think it's got all going to be crucial. And the other player I think as well is, of course, Gabriel Jesus. This guy is everywhere. I mean, he's just everywhere. You know, when you see his touch maps, it's just ridiculous. You know, his touch maps look like the kid who looks like the face of a kid who's got chicken pox. There's just red everywhere. It's just, it's mad. I mean, he drops deep to help pick up the ball. He then sprints forward, connects play with the likes of with with Martinelli or, or Shaka. He then sprints past the line um, to try and get on the end of a pass and stretch the play. Ramsdale wants to go long. He backs into defender, takes the ball down, traps him, rolls him and turns. He either wins the foul or he rolls the player to, to uh, continue with play. He does get in behind, get goal scoring chances. He creates them. I mean, we've seen multiple games now. He picks up the ball, dribble, dribbles past two players and gets off a shot. Against Chelsea, if it wasn't for a brilliant block by Thiago Silva, that would again been a potential goal of the season competition uh, uh, candidate that we're talking about. Jesus is phenomenal. Hasn't scored now in a few games. Um, Eddie got his goal midweek, which is good for Eddie. Um, Bowel accounts played well, but again, no one saw it, so did it even happen? Um, I do think that this would be a great game for Jesus to get his goal. But given how well he's playing and all of what he does, I'm not worried. If he wasn't getting the chances, then I'd be concerned. He's getting the chances. Statistically, he'll put some away. Um, I don't want this to turn into a Lacazette thing where, you know, you sort of over-index the other stuff the player does. No, this isn't This isn't that. He needs to score goals. He's the number nine who was bought to score goals. We knew when we bought him that he underperformed his XG. The hope was that he would either break that here or the goals he would score, even if he underperformed XG, if we increase the amount of chances he'd get, then he'd still score a shit ton. You know, for example, he tends to underperform XG by a couple of goals. So if we if he's expected to get 23, he might get 21 or 20. If he's expected to get 20, he might get 18. So if we can increase the amount of chances he gets, we'll increase the, chance, the amount of goals he gets, even if it's less than he should. Um, and I think the club knew that, and I think that's the point. So 
I'm not worried, but I would like to see him bag one just for himself and for his confidence and just to reward all of the hard work he does. Um, and I think this is a good game to do it, like I said, because this is a team that do concede goals. Um, for Wolves, this this kind of their key players kind of it kind of speaks to their style of play. Um, they have the unwelcome record of being the Premier League's lowest scorers this season with just eight goals. I'm pretty certain they are actually the lowest scorers in the Premier League. Um, yeah, they've only got the eight goals, which is wild to think they scored less than Nottingham Forest, less than Southampton, less than Bournemouth. Um, yeah, so, sucks for them, but they are. Um, they've got eight goals when they're 14. Um, yeah, and they've only scored... Yeah, I think last game, yep, I'm right. Last week was the first time that they'd scored two goals in a game this season. Um, they've only found the back of the net more than once in their last six, sorry, they've only scored twice, one time in their last 16 games. Um, prior to last weekend, they had the lowest shot conversion rate and the biggest negative difference between goals and expected goals. Um which shows they're a side that can create chances, but just don't convert them. Um, for example, I remember a chance against um, Brentford where, you know, Brentford were playing that from the back as they do with David Rea. Um, the ball gets to the right side, um, the edge of the penalty area on the right side of Brentford's defence. Podence presses their defence, wins the ball. He's on the edge of the area. He drives into the box and he fluffs the shot. And it's like, your plan to press them worked you won the ball you're in the penalty area you have an angle on goal and i have no idea what the hell that shot was don't get me wrong he had a defender coming uh sort of charging towards him but like he had the time to get the shot off it was just poorly executed um under this particular manager they do like a 4-2-3-1 although they went for more of a 4-3-3 against brighton brighton um i don't think it's going to matter to be honest which way they go because i think either way they're going to have problems i'm expecting them to go back to a 4-2-3-1 but we'll see. Um, they may stick with more of a 4-3-3 option, um, but realistically, once we get our football going, it's probably going to collapse in two banks of five, to be honest. Um, now, they do have creative players like the likes of Martinho, um, Ruben Neves, Nunez, who they signed this season, and all of them, brilliant passers, work hard. Um, and as I said, they have direct runners like Podents, Greeders, um, Guidas, of course, who got a really good goal actually against Brighton when he was played through, uh, ran down uh, the penalty area at an angle and uh, put it past the keeper. And he's a very, very talented player. Of course, they got him from Valencia, um, someone who was and still is expected to kind of kick on and play for a bigger club. Um, so it's not like they don't have threat. You know, they've still got Chan, decent striker. He scored a goal against us last season. Um, Adama Traore spoke about who maybe isn't the best all round, but he certainly has um, particular attributes, including his size and speed um, back from his little stint at Barcelona. Um, they've got that attacking threat from Neves, from free kicks, from penalties, long shots that we know he has. Um, and look, they've got brilliant passes in midfield. They work really hard. They're able to progress the ball, fully expect them to go from defense to midfield, good interplay between their midfielders, play the ball wide, you know, with their wingers really stretching the pitch, staying wide and either running down on goal from wide or looking to whip in across. And this is where the problem comes. If they play through the lines, they're struggling to find someone to finish it off. If they whip in crosses, they're struggling to find someone to finish it off. 
I mean, and it's part of the reason they got Diego Costa. You know, if they could whip in crosses um, or, you know, whipped balls in uh, onto the head of Diego Costa, for example, you know, he may not have everything he used to have, but he's still able to to muscle himself around in the box and cause problems, if not to get on the end of it himself, but to set other players. But they're not going to have him. So um, we'll see what they go with. They may well go for Chan up front um, as, a, as a means of attempting to stretch the play, getting behind our getting behind our lines. I fully expect them to try and get um, Neves or someone similar to pop balls in behind Zinchenko because that's what teams like to do. So with uh, Guida's on that side, never gets the ball, pops the ball over the top um, or through the lines um, behind Zinchenko's area for Guida's to run into the defensive left half space. That I think is going to be their attempt and either attempt to cut back to the edge of the area where uh, Neves can meet it for a shot or a Chan can meet the cut back in the area. Um, or just yeah, run on goal from an angle. I think that's I think that's going to be their play, um, but we'll see. Realistically, teams have tried to take advantage of the spacing behind our left back all season, all the season they've tried it. Um, we with the way we play, we leave those channels exposed. So of course, teams are going to try and take advantage. And to be fair, to be fair, they still could. It's entirely possible. You know, um, you saw the highlights from the midweek game against Brighton where Carl Hines slips in the box, you know, if, you know, they play a ball over the top and Zinchenko's running back and he slips, he can't get there, they're through. So it can happen. But what I do think is that we have brilliant one-on-one defenders and players like Saliba, Gabriel cover the space so well. And when they do that, they have a sweep up themselves as we've seen Saliba do so well throughout the entire season, so composed in doing it. Or you've got players like Ben White, um, or Zinchenko who can hold the play up until reinforcements come back and players like Saka and Martinelli are really good at supporting our, our inverted fullbacks we're covering those spaces um, so we seem to be doing well so I'm expecting no different um, in this game so we'll see what Wolves do but I, I think we've got we're well equipped both in terms of the footballing attributes as well as the system to deal with anything Wolves have and also don't forget not only is the World Cup coming up and so there's an element to which some players might be thinking about um, might be thinking about the World Cup and staying fit. I I think both of these teams are something to play for. I don't think Wolves want to go into um, the World Cup potentially bottom of the table or close to it. I think they're going to want to try and lift themselves out of the relegation zone with a win. Um, also, I think there are going to be some players who know that the new manager is going to be watching and so they're not going to want to be a player that the manager identifies as not being part of their plans. Um, so I think they're going to have something to play for. And obviously we're going to want to go top. So I don't think our players are going to be sort of um, worried about the World Cup. And not all of our players are going to the World Cup. So, um, you know, I'm not too worried about players kind of holding back in the hopes of not getting injured before the World Cup. I, I think they're professionals and they all want to win. And even if they're thinking that in the back of their mind, I I think that's more of a risk if we go two, three goals up in 30 minutes and then the players kind of switch off and try to conserve energy. I think it's more of a risk then. I think if we're you know one or two goals up um, midway through the second half, then I, I don't. I think the the players will just keep going. Um, but what I am thinking is that with Wolves being the way they are and knowing they can't get goals and knowing they're struggling for goals, seeing us show up with some of the players that we have, you know, I remember the the days of the Invincibles, and I'm not comparing this side to them, obviously, but I remember the days of the Invincibles, you know, where players talked about being in the tunnel turning, seeing the players and thinking, ah, shit, we're in for it today. Like, could you imagine being, you know, uh, a player in the Wolves team turning and you're seeing William Saliba, six foot four of him, 
you know, you're seeing Gabriel, you're seeing Gabriel Jesus, you're seeing sort of Bakayo Saka in the way he works and Martinelli in the way he works. You're seeing Thomas Partey in the tunnel. I think some of these players are going to be looking and thinking we're going to be in for it today, having watched what they've been doing all season. And the teams who haven't respected us have paid for it in the end. You know, I think earlier in the season, some of the teams who played us didn't respect us, um, tried to do things they did to the old Arsenal teams and got punished for it. And the, the further on in the league we've gone, the more that we've played well, I think the more the teams have started to respect us. I think Chelsea showed up um, at, at Stamford Bridge not looking like they thought they could win. And I mean that sincerely. I don't think Chelsea played like a team who thought they could win that game. Um, they, their tactics certainly weren't the tactics of a team who were trying to win that game. Um, not really. Not not really, if you get what I mean. So yeah, like I said, for us, with attacking those five channels, sort of the, the you know, two, three, five, as it were, really is sort of five and five, depending, sort of a staggered five at the back and a staggered five at the front, I suppose. Um, yeah, if we can... You know, Wolves are going to go wide with us. We're going to go wide with Wolves. You know, we're going to try and expose that space as well. Because if we can get the ball wide, big switches, you know, we can get to the stage where our wingers are 1v1 versus their fullbacks. Um, and who knows at that point? You go on the outside, whipping across, go on the inside, um, whipping a shot or cross. You, shit, you could go on the outside and sort of wait for a Shaka or an Odegaard to do an underlapping run. Um, Saka will have Ben White overlapping on his side. That will either cause a distraction for Saka to cut inside or he can give it to Ben White in the overlap for the cutback um, towards the penalty area. We've got so many different attacking options. We've got so many different triangles we form. Um, we're brilliant at regaining and retaining possession if um, you know our, our technical security breaks down in zone 14. Ultimately, Arteta so far with his preferred starting 11 has built a team that is capable of delivering the standard and quality of football that he wants to play. And he's done that all season. And so I think we'll carry on doing that in this game. Looking at the lineups from the wall side of things, as we said, Diego Costa has uh, been suspended. So this will be his final suspension um, after a three game ban. Semedo's back after he got his um, ban in, in the time against Brighton. Um, particularly as his replacement, Johnny Otto got injured midweek. So that's, um, they'll be happy about that. But they don't have, of course, no, there's no Pedro Neto for them, who we were interested in in the summer. There's no Rahul Jimenez, um, who they're interested in summer. Um, but they're expecting that Mateus Nunez is back um, for them as well. Max Kilman, Nathan Collins, um, suspect they'll still be there, um, ready for them to play. It'll be interesting to see what Wolves do in midfield, whether they're going to go for Ruben Neves and Jarmatinho, which I think would be a massive risk. I think it's more likely going to be a, a Bukar Traore and Ruben Neves in midfield. But again, we'll see. Um, I am curious to see how they plan to deal with our attack at eights and our sort of positional play. Um, but really, I think their way of dealing with it is going to be what everyone else has done. Hold on for dear life and hope for the best, really. See if you can disrupt our play and hope that we're having an off day. Um, for us of course there's no Tomiyasu um, who should still be fit enough to go to the World Cup has been called up um, there's no Smith Rowe um, who will probably be back during the warm weather training camp in Dubai I believe but nothing nothing certain there um, so yeah otherwise you know the likes of Jesus Erdegaard Saka Martinelli fully expecting them all back in the starting lineup I'm fully expecting us to see uh, Mikel Arteta's preferred Premier League starting 11 of Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel Zinchenko, Partey, Shaka, Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka, Jesus. I think that's the team. Um, so we'll see. Um, 
I think for Wolves, I think they'll, you know, have for the most part their typical team. I think you'll see uh, Saar in goals, Semedo, Collins, Kilmans, Kilman Bueno at the back in midfield. I think we're going to see Mateus Nunes, Neves, Bubkar Traore, Adama Traore, uh, Gonzalo Guides, and Podence up top. I think that's going to be their team. So we'll see. Um, as I said, given how we play, given how they play, given our strengths, given their weaknesses. I'm seeing nothing other than an Arsenal win. It's just a question of how much, whether it's a 1-0 to the Arsenal, whether we can kind of score two or three and and make it a statement before we wrap up for the World Cup. Like I said, I thought a similar thing with Southampton, but they're a tricky away side. Wolves are also a tricky away side, despite their recent record. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Expecting a win, but this is the Premier League, and in the Barclays, you never know. Um in other news, of course, got to say big congratulations to the the uh, Arsenal players who um, have found themselves getting a World Cup call-up. Um, obviously, it's a big thing. There are a lot of players um, who would be going, but where there was a potential toss-up, we saw with um, the Brazil players, no place for uh, Gabriel Magalhaes, which is a shame. He fully deserves it, but there we are. I have to say a big congratulations to Gabriel Martinelli, Gabriel Jesus, Takiro Tomiyasu, William Saliba, Granit Xhaka, Thomas Partey, Matt Turner, Bukayo Saka, Ben White, and Aaron Ramsdale on their World Cup call-ups. Because, um, you know, for, I think for a lot of Premier League players, for a lot of players generally, not Premier League players, for a lot of players, you know, playing for their country, it's sort of the pinnacle, right? And World Cup comes around once every four years, so you don't get that many opportunities to do it and to be sort of in the right place in your career peak physicality, peak form, going into a top of the table. It's not often you get to be in that space when you go to a World Cup. So um, congratulations to to all of them. Also big congratulations to Beth Mead, Mido, who was named the BBC Footballer of the Year. That's after a great year for club and country. Um, and she won it over the likes of Sam Kerr, um, Wolfsburg's Alexandra Pop, Barcelona's Patelas, and Leon captain Wendy Renard. So she beat out some big names to win the win the trophy. And you can go to the Arsenal website and we'll see the video of her being awarded the trophy. Um, it was a fan voted for prize, and she's basically been in the running back to back since 2015 because she is a baller. So congratulations to Beth Mead, um, fully deserved top top player. So that's it from the Hyper Club. Thank you very much for joining. Please do, you know, subscribe, give us a follow, like, um, retweet, all of that good shit. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you have a good end to the week and enjoy the weekend. We get to see the Arsenal win, go on to the World Cup and enjoy it all. But more than anything, I hope you're all good people. And whatever, whatever it is you're dealing with right now, just remember tomorrow's another day. It'll get better. Persevere, keep pushing, keep doing your thing. It's your boy CZ here at C-E-A-S-E-S-A-W-I-S and you know where to find us at the Hybrid Club at the Hybrid Club in a bit people in a bit <laughs>